0: My name is Rob Ryan. I'm a New York City comedian. I've been doing stand up for about 10 years now, traveling around the country but mostly based here in New York. Um I am nothing more uh special than just a fan of Star Wars and just general thinker. Um but I do get paid for a living to uh <laughs> dissect daily life and so um What we might be talking about today is some of the thoughts that I had uh, as these trilogy of trilogies begins to unfold.
1: Diving in, um, when you heard the title, uh, The Force Awakens, uh, what direction were you hoping to see the series uh, go?
0: The title, The Force Awakens, did not strike me uh, at first, initially. It was only after I had left the movie theater that I started to really become excited with where the third trilogy would hopefully eventually go, uh, and it sort of started to dawn on me more and more because at first watch uh, I was generally um, let down or disappointed with with sort of the banalities that the episode seven had given us, where it was sort of just a retread of uh, uh, a New Hope and all the other problems that everybody had with it. We don't have to really go over those, but um, there were some elements that I really enjoyed, and I was really excited about what might happen. I really did like Kylo Ren as a villain, and I really did enjoy Rey as a, um, as yet again another new hope. As a matter of fact, I found her to be more of, quote, a new hope than Luke was, Um, and I was really excited about a lot of, the elements of where this might go, what J.J. Abrams had in mind, what Disney had in mind, and I was crossing my fingers that they were going to have a consistent through line. Some of these threads, uh, I thought that I was picking up on. And the reason that I got excited about it is because I knew, and everybody sort of knew, that the first one was going to be safe. It was going to be a reintroduction to this series. And the original Star Wars, although not a safe film, uh, by any stretch, it did have a, a, a plot um, and a structure that was much more um, just good guy versus bad guy, you know, cinematic fun adventure. It wasn't until the sequel, it wasn't until Empire Strikes Back that we started to really get into the heady uh, philosophical questions that defined the trilogy for what it was. Star Wars, the first one, is my personal favorite. But uh, so many people love Empire Strikes Back because it took what was a good guy versus bad guy story, a little hero's journey thing, uh, a very short version of it, and then it expanded upon it and said, how much deeper can we make this? And and thankfully, fans sunk their teeth and loved it, and they kept on going with it. So what I was thinking was, maybe this movie is just trying to mirror what they saw As the safeness of the original. And they're going to, in the second film, expand on some of the more philosophical ideas. However, this time they have the benefit of knowing that they're going to have two more movies right off the bat, whereas George Lucas didn't right off the bat. So maybe they sprinkled some of this cooler stuff in. Maybe they did make a general humdrum movie that didn't really, you know, have too much affect going, but then they sprinkled in a couple of ideas, and those ideas had to do with the Force. So when I heard the title, or when I thought about the title The Force Awakens after leaving the movie, I became really excited because I thought this entire trilogy will be effectively about the Force and us changing our ideas of what that even means. Uh, the other movies' his titles sort of lend themselves to what the films may be about. Uh, a New Hope was effectively about Luke and what he could have brought to the, the Jedi. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back was a blowback. The Return of the Jedi was triumphant for them. Uh, this movie was not about Siths. It was not about Clone Wars. Uh, it was not any of that. It was about the Force. And when I started to ponder what the film may have meant. I was like, this movie was about the Force. It wasn't about Rey, and it wasn't about Kylo. It was about this imbalance that's been created, uh, and not just in this film, but this imbalance that's been created over the course of you know millennia in this galaxy. And this is finally a movie that's going to, or a trilogy rather, that is going to start to get deep down into the nitty-gritty of what the Force means. Uh, and I can get into that too if you're if you're interested in my thoughts on what does the Force mean in this uh, universe.
1: So, with the next installment of the Last Jedi, how does Ryan Johnson exceed your expectations compared to J.J. from The Force Awakens? What
0: I was really hoping for was that uh, it wasn't going to be effectively what it became, which was each director was just going to have their own spin and their own take and do what they wanted. I was hoping that. That all that everybody had in mind where this was going, which I, I'm not v- very convinced of anymore. Uh, but I was hoping for a film. I actually uh, uh, I had some thoughts on this, and I had uh, written a, a short piece that uh, had the phrase "The Last Jedi" in it. I had said, I think Luke will die as the last Jedi. So I was freaked out when I saw the title of Episode 8 B The Last Jedi. I was like, that is perfect. I was really hoping that the focus on the Force itself would supersede that of, the, of a focus on Luke Skywalker and as a focus on the Jedi themselves. Um, when you look at the prequels, episodes one, two, and three, they look at the force. You can sort of imagine them looking at the force as the way people used to look at gravity before Isaac Newton came along. It was just something, uh, that they didn't understand. Or maybe let's say before the Jedi came along. And I thought similarly, the Jedi... Had done this with the force, and they had this midi chlorian thing, which nobody really liked, right? Everybody was like, "What is this midi chlorians? Is in your blood? Like that's not what it is." And generationally, as as many years pass, the there's no mention of midi chlorians in episodes four, five, and six. And I can explain this away by saying that that was old hat. That was a correlation, not causation thing. That this whole blood work idea it, it is that means nothing. The force is a metaphysical thing that is. Uh, you know, is shared within all life forms. Yoda lives uh, uh, and spends his days until he dies on Dagobah because that is a swamp planet that has is teeming with life, and it, and it is in accordance with what he says about the Force that all life has it and it flows through us. So the more life that was on that planet, the stronger the Force was around that area, and that's why he stayed where he stayed. So in the second trilogy, we understand the Force to be something. Um, that is much more a thing that lives and breathes in us. And they introduce a notion that says that you can use the force for good or you can use the force for evil. There is a dark side of the force. Yoda also uh, respects the dark side of the force. He's aware of it. He even mentions to Luke that there is going to be a point in his training where he will be tempted by the dark side. He doesn't say that that's a bad thing. He just says that that is a necessary thing. And that some people go that way and some people go this way. I thought that when I saw The Force Awakens uh, and I left the theaters that perhaps they were trying to say that in this third trilogy there will be yet again a new understanding and, of what the Force means in this galaxy. And it would be only Luke who would truly understand what that was. That's why I had thought that Luke may die as the last Jedi, because I thought that perhaps he would become sort of disenchanted with what the Jedi stood for, uh, and what the Jedi's relationship with the Force was. And not in this negative way, not in a, uh, my life is a lie, I should never have done what I've done, nothing like that. But just like uh, Qui-Gon was messing around with little, you know, e-meters and testing blood, and just the same way that Yoda thought that, you know, the Force could be used for good or evil, Luke may have come to yet a new real- realization about the Force, that it sh- should not and could not be harnessed by anybody uh, for too long or, or become too powerful, And that the true balance in the force is that nobody uh, usurps this power, that nobody collects it all for themselves, that that greed is the underlying factor that will create this imbalance. And I can use some evidence to suggest that any time the force gets uh, sort of scooped up in one area for too long, it sort of has this way of naturally balancing itself. Every time, you know, the, the, you look at these, uh, these relationships, he says, oh, there's always two. You know, there's always master and apprentice. Um, there's always good versus evil. They even describe, well, for many, many, for a long time, uh, the you know there was battles between the Sith and the Jedi, and then the Jedi wound up winning, and so for a long time they were the you know keepers of that and that was an imbalance and Then every time the Jedi had you know the power in the universe, so a Sith came along and at the end of the day, the Jedi had no one else to blame but themselves for creating the Sith every time they kept on teaching a new generation of students, all of a sudden someone would come along right there would always be somebody who would Uh, we were a go rhyme and you can't, you can't blame anybody but, uh, um, Obi-Wan for, for training Anakin, uh, and for Obi-Wan and Yoda, I guess for training Luke, uh, or Luke for training Ben to become Kylo Ren. So when you look at this lineage, you're like so many of the bad or Yoda training Dooku, right? So many of the, the Siths that existed uh, in this universe, were trained by Jedi with the with the intention and the hope that they would use this power for their goals, as opposed to use this power for someone else's goals. What I thought, and what I continue to hope, the trilogy is doing is saying the Force itself is a living, breathing entity that does not that sort of resists that sort of harnessing and i had this revelatory moment hoping that luke would have you know that luke had this similar thought and he would decide that i after this huge mistake with ben and thinking that this was his mission was to was pass this on and teach more people that he realized that is not the purpose of this when he killed uh the emperor and with darth vader died that the force that, that, that this jedi should die with him and the Force should thus be released, in, in a way, back into the universe, spread out evenly amongst all living things. And that that is where the Force lies. And that's why he secluded himself. That's why he decided not to teach anybody else. That's it. And I had some really, really high hopes going into the, uh, episode 8 that they would somehow tackle this uh, and wrestle with these ideas. Uh, and I was actually quite surprised and delighted when it seemed as if they might have they might do that. Um, it turned out not to be quite that. Uh, Luke was struggling and wrestling with uh, the, the woes of the Jedi and what they've done, but it, it didn't quite re- elevate itself to the level of talking about the Jedi's relationship with the Force and what it is that needs to go. Um, and I can bring that to, to my point about Rey in a minute, but we can talk about that in a sec.
1: Luke and Yoda have two different teaching styles. And Empire Strikes Back, Yoda acts like a complete fool because he's testing Luke's patience while he could have lectured Luke on how to use the Force. But on the other hand, Luke teaches Rey by being very blunt on his interpretation of how the Force works, leaving little room of playing mind games to test knowledge. So. In the moment, both Luke and Yoda's students are frustrated and confused by their teachers' methods. What are your thoughts on these two different styles of teaching?
0: My thoughts are, um, it's funny because I'm biased uh, from what, I, what it is that I want to see happen and what I feel like was happening um, in, on the film. And that's what I fear has become the entire uh, series of Star Wars is that it becomes this Rorschach test for, you know, it, you just, you make whatever you want from it. It is vague enough, uh, and there have been enough back-and-forth weird things on screen, in canon, where people can just kind of, you know, still believe whatever it is that they want to believe, and make the movie fun in their brain. They're like, no, I think the Force is this, no, I think the Force is that, despite um, there being, you know, pretty solid evidence to the contrary. Like, like me, for example, I'm, I'm saying chlorians is bullshit. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just discounting it and I have no reason to, I'm just saying, yeah, maybe it's just, maybe, you know, we didn't hear about it in four five and six. That's because at some point they got rid of that. Um, and that's just going to continue to happen. The more muddy things get. I was kind of, uh, uh, hoping that what was going to happen was that the, uh, that this sort of master apprenticeship that we become so familiar with was going to be done away with. And... That uh, this there, there there's this very heavy Judeo-Christian, um, you know, parallel that is is very really palpable in the original film. I mean, even even uh, "May the Force be with you" is like "May the Lord be with you." That that, that even that phrasing is very just like, oh, this is an, this is a power that is imbued upon you. Um, it's not really until the Empire Strikes Back where you start to to you know get more of a sense that that it's not just this like, you know, thing that you get taught. But when you think about going to a temple, uh, going to a church, uh, that this person has to teach you a religion. They have to teach you about God Mm -hmm. and there's only one way to God that that's through Jesus Christ, you know, and that is the Christian religion. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to the kingdom of my father and that is through me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, through through love of me and it's I that's always been my least favorite thing about uh, Christianity itself the the ideals of, of it um, is this notion that you have to go through Jesus Christ otherwise you're not gonna you're not gonna do it there is no understanding of your own mm-hmm. um, and that indoctrination is uh, is what the the first three movies are really all about uh, episodes one two and three I mean. And it's and then when that kind of gets broken, uh, it's almost as if episodes four, five and six are having an identity crisis as to what it is. You know, even when Obi-Wan speaks of the force and when Yoda speaks of the force, it's almost just like this thing that's or, or the Jedi, rather. You know, it's this thing that was in the past and it was up to Luke to carry that torch. And Luke, I was hoping, would decide to just not at the end of the day, because he tries to recreate what they did in Episodes 1, 2, and 3, fails miserably, realizes what's wrong with it, and then just goes, you know what it has to be done with? It. The Jedi. They have to go, and I am the last one. This sort of Terminator 2 moment where it's like, I'm the problem. I have the last chip in my head. I have to go away. And that the last trilogy was going to shift into a more Buddhist-type, you know, understanding of the Force where there is this you know, the temple is inside you and it's through you know this idea of meditation and this other stuff doesn't, isn't really there that the teacher wasn't there to teach you how to use the force. The teacher was there to guide you once you have used the force for yourself and to then, you know, use it to their benefit or their ideology. And this Became stronger and stronger. Than me when I noticed that Kylo Ren was very obsessed with teaching Rey about the Force. At the very end of the film, when they're in the snow and they have their lightsabers locked, she's about to go over the edge, and Kylo says, and doesn't want to kill her. By the way, he and he doesn't want her to join the dark side. He doesn't use that language. He says, he says, let me teach you. He says, you need a teacher. Let me show you the ways of the Force. And when she, he says the word Force, then Rey, uh closes her eyes as the force and she meditates and she thinks on it for a sec and then she overpowers him and bests Kylo in that moment I thought that that moment was the coolest moment of the movie and perhaps what will be the trilogy is that she decided right then and there what Luke couldn't what no other you know force user could which was to say I don't need you it's not a matter of good or evil I don't need this indoctrination I don't need to be taught And it sort of quells these Mary Sue people who were upset that she had so much, you know, power uh, going into it. Uh, She was like, she was too strong. She knew too much. Uh, But I also point to, because people point to this as well, what goes on between the movies, episodes four and five? What goes on between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back? Luke has nobody to teach him, to guide him. And yet he becomes a more powerful force user as time goes on in between those two films right he is sitting there in a hoth and he's able to meditate and get the lightsaber to come directly to him Is before yoda teaches him anything about anything so the question remains who taught him that and the answer is even according to canon nobody this wasn't something that he was taught he just did this himself he got a little you know guidance from obi-wan and then that's what he he just did And I was like, that's fine. Ray can do the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, maybe Ray has unlocked this, this realization early that you don't need to be taught this and you don't need to be more or less indoctrinated. You, the force is for everybody. Everybody can access it. Now, perhaps some people can access it a little bit easier, better or whatever the case may be, but it is not some, it is not about, here's my second point. It is not about lineage. It is not about your bloodline uh, and it is not about somebody teaching it to you. And that was the other thing that I was getting really excited about because everybody was speculating about whose race parents might be to the point where, and I'm going to sort of blend this into filmmaking and, and buzz creating and and whatever also as well as the philosophical ideas of the movie. Uh, When you create a scenario where all the answers become boring like, would you personally uh, have been excited about any actual answer of whose race parents were? I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on that. Like, would, would you have liked it to have been Luke and Obi-Wan or something? Because I personally, once I started hearing all of the possible theories, I said, you know what? None of it makes sense. It all sounds like bullshit. I couldn't be, I wouldn't be happy if it was anybody. The only thing that would make me happy is if it was nobody and if it was justified that it was nobody. And I, that's exactly how I felt. I said, you know what? Ray's parents are nobody because what's so good about that is that it proves that anybody can really be, not a Jedi, but anybody can use the Force if they so choose and if they like dedicate their life to it uh, and use it properly. And I thought that would be so cool. And then it happened. So I was loving that. but I was loving it because it was... Um, you know, the impetus for it was because to, to to show this idea that you don't have to be a Jedi. And I love uh, The Force Awakens in part because they started to undo this, this reverence to the Jedi. Leia has a great line uh, when she's talking to Han. Han's not sure if he can convince Ben um, to turn, you know, away from evil. And Han said, if Luke couldn't get through to him, what chance do I have? And Leia says, Luke is a Jedi, but you're his father. And that was Leia who is, you know, a very, you know, sister of Luke, saying, "Um, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Who cares? That's not what's important. What's more important is your relationship with this kid. The Jedi are not magical people. As a matter of fact, she never, um, you know, talk about bloodline. We kind of undo the bloodline thing, not in this last movie, but in The Force Awakens, we kind of undo this bloodline thing by having her not really... Uh, exhibit any powers right it's almost as if she was like i'm not that's not me i don't care you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go ahead and just you know pursue this path of trying to uh, figure out ways to use the force stronger i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be me um mas kanada had a line too which i really liked which she says i you know i'm no jedi but i know the force and i believed her so it was great It, it, it was it was a Couple lines from a couple, of them, couple different people sort of downplaying what a Jedi is, kind of relegating it back to just the idea that it's a religion, that it will go that direction. Despite the fact that it didn't quite, right? Luke did sort of double back. He said, No, forget it. He, he was upset that he burned down the temple. Rey just wind up saving these books. So it seems like she's going to teach herself to be a Jedi. And here we go again. Like, that's what we're trying to avoid. This here we go again. She's another Jedi. Um, they could have completely done away with the Jedi. And given it a proper goodbye, a beautiful goodbye. Luke could have just said, you know, you may st- – kind of like hearkening what Obi-Wan said like this. You may strike me down or you may kill the Jedi. How great would this have been? You may kill off the Jedi, but she's, she's more important. She's more valuable. What she's going to bring to this galaxy is more important than what the Jedi brought. So go ahead and kill me if you need to kind of thing. Uh, that would have been really great, and, and maybe fans would have been upset, but if, if, if you gave it a proper goodbye, a proper burial, and passed that torch saying, it's not about the Jedi, it's about the Force, and telling fans to love the Force more than to love the Jedi, it's almost like loving God
1: mm-hmm. over
0: loving religion. Mm-hmm. It's about having spirituality over being Christian, or Muslim, or Jewish, and... Mm-hmm. Um, that was what the message started to feel like. And uh, and I was hoping that it would go that direction. And you know what? I have a tiny bit of hope that there's still something. There was that little kid who used the you know, <laughs> you know, he used the force to pick up the broom at the end of the eighth one where it's like, okay, you're kidding some of the idea that I'm talking about. That who's that kid, you know, that that kid's not of any lineage. Ray was of no lineage. It was it's starting to it's starting to coalesce in this idea that anyone can use the force. It's for anybody. And I'm hoping um, if we may like dive into it, this is a separate topic now because this is more about um, the zeitgeist of films nowadays. Uh, obviously, diversity is becoming uh, more important in in filmmaking and how they and how films you know or how um, studios release movies. And if you look at something like Marvel's uh, success, maybe we're not as pleased as an audience anymore or as thrilled to watch one man take down an entire army and we so badly wanted to see our one superhero Luke Skywalker defeat and beat everybody and uh when you look at Marvel Avengers being you know as successful as they are you're trying to figure out who it is that is the best avenger and you know you can make some arguments oh this one's the best or the strongest or the smartest but It is a team effort, and we enjoyed it. We enjoyed the team effort. It was not, you know, we weren't like, no, I want Bruce Willis and Die Hard to kick everyone's ass, and I want Luke Skywalker to singularly, you know, defeat the foe while everybody else is doing background stuff. Uh, I believe, and I hope, even though there's not that many strong characters, but I believe and I hope that um, whatever foe will present itself in the last uh, film of this trilogy... Uh, it will be taken down by sort of a, a, a democracy, you know, will be taken down by a group effort. And it would make sense to me is if everybody was able to harness the force in their own small, subtle way. And it becomes clear that it's not about, you know, having this insane amount of power, but rather just, you know, being a utility player, a team player. And, uh, Finding out your your inner force, your personal force. It may you may not be able to, you know, move mountains, but it can make you stronger.
1: Mm-hmm. So um Yeah. Okay, good. Sorry, you're for a second. Um, no no, you're fine. So well, one of the things I like a lot in the last Jedi is how um, when Yoda destroys the temple, Luke is in shock. And then Yoda asked, Did you even read the books? And um, yeah, Yoda asked did you read the books? And Luke was like, No. It was a Disney joke, but it was great because it showed how um Luke he went to that uh, island alone to try to interpret the forest on his own instead of relying on his book, uh, these studies, these teachings that are telling him this is the way you do it. And he Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, what makes Marvel movies so great with the build-up to Avengers was they took the time to um, let each superhero uh, find their own identity. And then when they put them together, you can't say, oh, Captain America or Iron Man was leading the team. They all were working together. So I guess, and if you look at a community, a community of a church, the main purpose of it is... Is a group of people coming together to praise um, the unknown, I guess. The mm-hmm. so, it. yeah, and so I guess with Star Wars, it's trans, it's transition of Luke Yoda. They've been doing it alone, learning by themselves. Ray, she's doing it by herself. How do you how do you see them? How how do you see Ray uh, creating a, a true community that's not like the Jedi where you have to do this, 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 and this, but and tap with your own inner force. Um, so it's just kind of communication, you know?
0: Uh, we had to have a, a brief conversation before this, and you had mentioned something that I hadn't really thought of, that perhaps through the reading of these texts, mm-hmm. she would come to some sort of, you know, bigger understanding yeah. of, what, of what shouldn't be done. Uh, I didn't like that she saved the texts. I didn't mm-hmm. like that you see them in the Millennium Falcon. I was I was bummed that any remnants of the Jedi would still exist after Luke uh, had such great insight into what it is that was wrong with that whole ideology. Um, but maybe that maybe that little notion can get pushed off to, to one more movie where she herself has this realization, mm-hmm. and perhaps um, she can realize uh maybe as luke started to that that you know this is something that for the for the writers to uh to realize now how how to go about doing that you know it's it it, it's sort of like um you know i guess the way certain buddhism works where it's like hey these are these are some skills Mm -hmm. Um, but you can go off on your own to do this uh you don't you know necessarily need um, to go to a church, you can create your own temple in your own home. Mm-hmm. Um, you can create a room, you can create an area, you know, to, to do this. You don't need to go through me. It doesn't have to be master apprenticeship. Um, and she can do that in a number of ways. And I think there's a number of dramatic ways that it could be done. I think it would have been most dramatic if Luke had discovered that and, and sort of put that on her. And just left her alone and said, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to die. Bye. No more Jedi. And then she's just lost and wrecked and sad and confused at the beginning of the third one. And not understanding why the one person who could have taught her the ways of the Force went ahead and didn't (laughs) or or didn't finish the training or purposefully like went away, you know, and didn't sacrifice himself to save her. Like, why'd you save me if you didn't teach me Mm -hmm. and he can come back as a force ghost and be like, I was teaching you, I was teaching you. You don't need me, Mm -hmm. you know, you never needed me. Uh, it's, it's the ultimate fucking wizard of Oz thing. You know, it's, it's, you had it, you know, Glinda's like, you had the power to go home the whole time. You just want You just, you just needed to want to, Mm -hmm. you needed to be done. You need to finish your journey. Uh, it wasn't about me telling you, oh if you click your heels together you can go home. It's a matter of you dealing with you know, your heart and your brain and your soul and all this crap and, your, uh, and then once you've you know, conquered that, you did it. Now you can do whatever you want. you can go to anywhere you want. Uh, you know it's been done but it's been, but it's been done well and it should mm-hmm. be done again and I, I would love to see uh, Ray go through that. And that's the way I would do it in some kind of version of that. And then she would just uh, – we, we wouldn't have to watch her doing it. We could just mm-hmm. see her go through it and then everybody else kind of go, oh, yeah. And then they all kind of go through it as well. Um, you ever watch Pete and Pete when you were a kid?
1: I did not actually.
0: Uh, there was a cool episode I liked. I'll be brief about it. Uh, he had this nemesis. Uh, he was called Paper Cut. Mm-hmm. And the, it was just the bully. And he would play rock, paper, scissor with everybody. He would always throw paper because he loved paper mm-hmm. and he did a lot of origami with paper. And then everybody would line up. He'd be like, line up, play rock, paper, scissors with me. And then everybody would have to throw rock and he would throw paper and then he would like punch you in the arm. But if you didn't throw rock, you know, he would kick the crap out of you. He was like, just, he was just a bully. Mm-hmm. And then Pete went up, uh, the younger brother and it was a very kind of surreal show. It wasn't very, very like grounded. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pete went up and he didn't throw rock. He didn't throw paper. He didn't throw a scissor. He threw something that he made up. Yeah. He was like meteor, you know, <laughs> de- crumbles, rock, burns, paper, melts, you know, scissors. And all the other kids who were there who were f- f- terrified of this, problem, it like it, their brains like, like opened up for the first time. <laughs> they realized they're like, there's not even three options. What are we doing? You know, we're being forced to throw paper cause we're scared of this kid. You know, he's like, he didn't even throw a scissor. He just made up a fourth thing. And then every kid started to like make up their own version of something that would beat everything. And it was such a silly episode, but it was so profound and fun to say, like, you have it. You have the power to beat anything. You don't have to be, you don't even have to choose one of these three options. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and that they did it in a 22 Pete and Pete episode that was on Nickelodeon. Hmm. They can do it in this movie. Ray can be that person. Ray can be Pete, and show everybody else that the force is there for everybody to use, uh, and we can defeat you know whatever the evil is in our lives, not the general evil. Uh, we can defeat the in in our own ways. That's what I would hope to see.
1: Before Kylo Ren, he was Ben Solo, who was a student in Luke's new Jedi Order. When Ben displayed behavior that was different from what was expected in the Jedi textbooks. Luke expressed just for a split second fear and doubt in Ben for becoming a Sith. As a result, when Ben sees Luke's fear, Ben felt misunderstood and more importantly, an outlier where he couldn't turn to the Jedi for answers. So he was left confiding his emotions to the one person who would appear to listen to him, which was Snoke, who was a Sith Lord.
0: That mistake uh, was twofold. I think that Luke... Um, created distrust in his pupil Mm -hmm. and Kylo did you know he was teetering I think Kylo was definitely on this like or Ben was on this you know teetering side and he could have gone one way or the other it was it was Luke's distrust and moment of weakness that that definitely turned Kylo but it was also the realization that Luke uh, I think Luke decided in that moment that he was going to isolate himself and stop teaching Mm -hmm. uh i think it was in that moment when he discovered two things he was like wow i see tons of tons of like hatred and anger and evil in this person and i brought that out in him and uh that i'm going to continue to bring that out in everybody Mm -hmm. you know like that i can do this i have to stop uh but then also on the surface it's like oh and then he's also evil and so like Like, it looks as if Luke stopped teaching because he created an evil person, and he's like, I can't believe I created an evil person, I I have to stop. But I was like, no, 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 I think that he stopped because he realized that even, you know, he was gonna, he was gonna kill Kylo himself. In his mind, he was like, man, like, we just, it was like two dogs, just like, calmly walking down the street, and then they see each other, and they go nuts for a second, and they keep on walking, and it was like, what was that? That was no good. Clearly we're doing something wrong here. Uh you know, I've just created power and and now we just had like this, you know, proton, anti proton uh thing <laughs> go off and they just you know, these these two oppositely charged particles just spread out into the universe. Um I think that that you know, if I were to talk about it intelligently, that's that's the moment that Luke decided that this indoctrination is the wrong way to go. Yeah, that's
1: my thought on that, I guess. With this in mind, Luke chooses to hide in the dark while people continue to to tell stories of him. And each time they tell the story, it becomes less and less true and more fluff fluff to create this idea of Luke than what he actually is. So with this in mind, why did Luke stay on the island alone and let these stories grow out of proportion when he could have... Gone back home and been like, hey guys, half of that stuff isn't true. I'm not really that great. I'm just a human like everyone else.
0: Is that how you see that? That that. Um, I don't know. I think that I liked that he became more of a a, a legend than he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't know that that little notion didn't didn't like track with me as well mm-hmm. um i wish that the stories of him like because I, I guess they did become pretty grand i forget 100 what she remembers of him mm-hmm. but i wish the stories were even more grandiose. videos yeah. because like we saw it happen you know we know what he did he did do some pretty cool shit uh but if it became this thing where he just he was like a god then it would have made more sense for him to have brought her back down to reality yeah um and be like no 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 it's really it's really this um, I, I didn't like the way they handled that because they were like you know it's not all it's not all this and this and I was like yeah it is it's not all just moving things with your head and whatever I was like yes we watched episodes one two and three it's all they did it was they moved crap and they and mm-hmm. then and then big boulders and moving things around and and then making people talk when they're not <laughs> supposed to talk mm-hmm. you know like like mind control is like it, it it was a clever idea to say, like, you know, the Force isn't all what, it's, what, what you heard in books and stuff. I'm like, it is. You know what I mean? Like, if they went above and beyond, uh, I liked, okay, I liked Episodes 1 handling of it better, where yeah. he's like, um, where Anakin says, wow, you're a Jedi? Like, nobody can kill a Jedi. And Qui-Gon just sort of chuckles and goes, oh, boy, do I wish that were true. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, you know, I know you probably think that we're like, you know, genies, but we're we're not. You know, we're, we're we're trained and we do this, and we have like a, a limited skill set, but it's a powerful one. So I don't know. I I thought that was them trying to to do a thing, but I was like, nah, I I, I don't buy this this relationship here. Um, if if Ray's gonna be wrong, if Ray's gonna misinterpret what the force is, she better she better think that you can just you know come back to life. She better think that you're like just a freaking superhero ghost thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for her to be brought back down to reality, I didn't really care for that part. So like,
1: I think uh, with Johnson is like the entire uh, he's trying to move away from the action to what the force can do with uh, move things with their mind, um, and he's trying to go into like the the spiritual elements of it and he's trying to introduce new things with the force the entire thing with leia when like she got blown up the space blown up and then she was able to fly back like part of me thinks that they use that footage just because they want to use all the footage of carrie fisher but the other part of me was johnson originally was trying to say there's more to the force than just moving things around and that was the way he approached it but that was just such a big step that people took it Oh, uh, context. What are your thoughts about it?
0: Uh, I love the idea of there being more to the force than we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very much in step with what I was saying earlier mm-hmm. about generationally, they just don't have an understanding um, of what of the power that they're using. You can almost look think of it as a technology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, or you can look at it like gravity, like uh, another a force of the universe that we don't really quite understand, uh, or or the the weak. Uh, nuclear force you know and how we're able to harness that energy for nuclear power and other such things that there's different ways to use these forces uh that i love um i don't think that you know using in the way that they did in order to effectively just Uh, you know they just wanted to have a moment where you thought that leia was dead Mm -hmm. and then they wanted to have a moment where you thought she was alive and they just wanted to like keep on having moments where like oh my god i just got shocked like it Mm -hmm. didn't seem to me as if they were uh doing much you know you had this 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 moment of like oh is she gone and she dead okay like well i guess you know han solo died so i guess so did she and they had another moment like, oh, did she just come back? Like, it's more confusing to me than anything else. Um, but I think that's what, that's what they wanted. I, I, I don't, like, I would love to think that they were, you know, doing this great thing of expanding on what the Force could do and, you know, making that important. I was bummed about it. But the idea that there's things that we, that are unknown about the Force is great. That means that there's still more fun stuff that they can play with as writers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it I wish that it was, uh, it had meaning or purpose. Uh, I wish there was a reason for it, you mm-hmm. know, out of necessity. I mean, maybe, maybe that will get explained. I don't think it will, you know, why she was able to do this spe- specific thing that no other Jedi has been able to do, which was stage off death, um, from space, you know, from the vacuum coldness of space, she just survived. I don't understand what that was about um kind of bummed me out but i love the idea in general of of there being more powers that we don't know about but not that one
1: should the concept of the force stay as a very broad subject like it was in a new hope or with this new trilogy should jj explore into a more detailed explanation of how the force works
0: um yeah i don't think that we need to explain every facet of the force um but if if this trilogy were to end by saying that we're going to begin to tap into uh, things about the Force that we didn't know ever could have existed, Mm -hmm. then great. You know, you can just show one big reveal about something. Um, Like the way Palpatine was talking about uh, how, you know, it was believed that there was a, you know, a Sith that was able to use the Force in such a way to, you know, prevent, like... A death itself uh, to control life completely, and uh, now you're like, oh, that's cool. That didn't really get touched upon again, but you know it's out there. You know it exists. So any time that you kind of you know tinker with that a little bit, I think that's kind of. Cool. Um, I, I like I like when necessity dictates it. These movies, by the way, have to begin to turn into superhero movies, and that's the other thing that bothers me. They weren't superhero movies before and now they're beginning to be – they have more of the structure of like the way these Marvel movies are going. Mm-hmm. So if we have to just accept that fact and that they're going to be a little bit more superhero-y, fine. But, but uh, if you watched, for example, like Thor, uh, Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. um, where it's like we've seen Thor do a bunch of stuff. We've seen him in many, many movies, do many, many things, and now his hammer is destroyed – he uh, is a shell of a man he doesn't have what he used to have and, and it takes the realization from you know a vision from his dead father to say you know what are you you're, what are you Thor the god of hammers no you're Thor the god of lightning mm-hmm. so just that or thunder you, that do that that's what mm-hmm. you are and so he comes back and he he finds you know in in the sixth movie we've seen him in or whatever he finds a power that we didn't even know he had and he didn't even know he had and it was so satisfying and it was so great in that last – he just – he harnesses all this you know, lightning and he just starts clearing house uh, without a hammer. And you're like, that's cool. That was great storytelling because he lost the thing that he thought was the source of his power. It had nothing to do with what he had on the inside. And that's where the misnomer came from. And I feel like, you know, we could do the same thing with the Force. We're like, oh, I thought the power was coming from Yoda, who's teaching you all this stuff. And it's like, no, that's not what it was. As a matter of fact, there's so much more to it if you just look at it a different way. Uh, yeah, if they did one of those kind of moves and then explained no further, that'd be great. I don't, need a, I don't need explanation. Don't get into the nitty-gritty. Keep it ethereal. Keep it, you know... How does Thor get his fucking lightning power? I don't know. <laughs> he, used it, he used it great in that movie. And it, and it showed you that there are depths to this. Mm-hmm. And that it, he, there could still be another depth to his power that I am unaware of that he isn't aware of. That's totally cool. You don't have to explain it, but just let me know that there's more. More mystery. Mm-hmm. And J.J. will do that.
1: The original trilogy laid down a superhero template of good versus evil which can be seen in A New Hope, and with the new trilogy, J.J. and Johnson have to build off from this old template, transforming the foundation to a deeper story of trying to find the gray, not just the black and white. Can they successfully transition the series using an old car motor, or do they have to start from scratch and build a complete new engine to explore more mature themes of Star Wars, not just good versus evil?
0: Um, I, I don't want you to conflate the idea of the original movie and the original trilogy, um, because there's so much evolution that happened, uh, even from, you know, 1977 to 1983 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that George Lucas had only the first movie in mind yeah. and he had very, very, very vague ideas of, of what other stuff might come before or after it. Um, you know, even, even the New Hope itself got changed around so much. Um, but you're right. The first movie had a very you know, superhero you know, origin story sort of vibe to it. And Luke was driven uh, by nothing more than the fact that he was nothing and had nothing. Uh, he was driven by this beautiful woman, this princess, who he sees. And he goes, who's that? You know, like, and this really sparks his mojo to get going. Uh, to, to go off on this adventure. And he winds up discovering more about himself than he had ever thought was possible. Mm-hmm. All this stuff is great. Um, and there is no mention of lineage, and there's no mention... There's not. You don't get too deep into the Force stuff. You just say that, oh, your father was a great pilot, and all this stuff happened, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, he goes off, and the original movie just ends... Um, as it does, it wasn't until Lawrence Kasdan came along and and penned this amazing script for Empire Strikes Back where we start to get into what I think people really see as the lore and the, the philosophical underpinnings of what, you know, Star Wars is. I think why people often cite that Empire Strikes Back as the best one is because so much, you know, no, you know try not, do or do not, there is no try, you know, and all these ideas that that Yoda sort of brought into what it is to be a Jedi, what is the Force. Um, None of that stuff came about in this, you know, simple little, you know, superhero movie that was A New Hope. Uh, And Return of the Jedi, um, which people liked but didn't love as much, it sort of rounded out some of these storylines, and I think it was great because it took the risk of separating Luke from the rest of the clan and saying like Luke's going Luke's doing his own thing. Luke's on a whole other level. You guys are fighting like, you know, a little ground battle here, but he's fighting the the big mental game. Mm-hmm. And he's completing, you know, this journey that started, you know, years ago in in on on Tatooine. And I think that was very very cool. Um so I think that the, the the intellectual expansion of the universe really came from the mind of Lawrence Kasdan who who wound up penning the script for um, Empire Strikes Back. That's where we get that uh, you know that universe building stuff. Mm-hmm. And how much George Lucas saw or you know looked into that I'm not I I don't really 100% know. I am curious as to I am very very curious as to what Lucas would have done with episodes seven, eight, and nine, for example. Um, maybe he felt a little um, maybe he felt a little boxed in with episodes one, two, and three. He knew where he had to get to eventually. He knew he wanted to pay some fan service, but he also wanted to create stories. And I think with all that he actually did a really great job, personally, of like of creating characters that were like, Okay, so here's some here's some things that may have happened and here's some people that may have happened. It's just that, you know, it just kinda got lost in you know he he tried to make different movies. That's cool. It got a little lost and mired in details and other crap, and mm-hmm. uh, it wound up being this like you know one villain per per movie thing, which didn't really pay off really great. Uh, so I don't know. I don't think that. Unfortunately, I'm just not excited. I mean, I'll watch episode nine, but I don't believe that they're trying to go for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas. You know, for better or worse, from was trying to go for things, which was cool. Um, Ryan Johnson was quoted as to saying that he was specifically trying to be subversive and 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 you know uh, subvert expectation, uh, which isn't the way to go. You should you should go with what makes the most sense story wise, and if that happens to be what you thought should be, then I think some of the greatest surprises in in cinema are the ones where when it happens, you're shocked. But upon reevaluating, you realize that it really couldn't have gone any other way. Um, you're like, I can't believe he killed her. And then you go, you know what? <laughs> Could you really imagine if he didn't? Like, based on everything that happened, do you really think that he was going to not? Like, he kind of, it was sort of fate that it was going to come to this. Uh, we have one more movie left for JJ to come back. JJ wasn't supposed to come back, but he is. And uh, I'm going to hold his feet to the fucking fire. <laughs> because J.J. Abrams is only good at, at teasing you, okay? He's only good at starting things. He started the show Alias, and he, and he started it, and it was cool, and it was weird, and there was a lot of mystery, and he leaves. And then seven seasons go by, you have no idea what the hell's going on, and the show falls apart. Same thing with Lost, a bunch of little teasing fun fun things. After a couple seasons, he's gone, and then he just leaves everybody else to to, to suffer and die, and the show just you know tanked as a result. And... Um, Every little thing he gets his fingers in, he's like, ooh, let's tease this, let's tease that. No, not this time, not episode nine. It's, it is the end of a trilogy of trilogies. There, there really has to be resolution and conclusion. And just enough. It doesn't have to be everything, but there has to be enough. And I, I, I fear that J.J. just wants to tease everybody, and he's not going to answer some of these questions. What I like is that if I was accurate, if I was correct in any of the things that I said that I felt The Force Awakens started to bring out, And if Ryan Johnson really did kind of, you know, divert from that, J.J. Abrams might reel that back in. And he might say, no, I wanted this to be this. We got off the path a little bit and we're going to bring it back home. So the fact that he's coming back to direct, I'm really excited about. Not because I love him very much, but more because I think that he, you know, he may owe it to himself to finish out what it seems like he started. I hope.
1: Rob thank you so much for joining the show. This was a lot of fun of diving deep into the Star Wars universe, more importantly into the philosophical themes of it, and just messing around where we hope the trilogy will end. If you want to hear more about Rob, follow him on Instagram at robbryanrocks where he's launching this new series called Tell Rob Bryan What to Eat as he explores unique restaurants in New York City. And also follow the Boring Thoughts website at theboringthoughts.com and um, stay tuned for more content thank you so much and uh, we'll see you soon